special guest Joseph King Barkley good friend of mine and Joseph um, what do I got to do to get one of those cool middle names how'd you get King as a middle name <laughs> well I inherited it it was a family name um, so I don't know if somewhere back in the day there was a King Barkley but it got my great-grandfather whose name is Ivan King Barkley wait that's the coolest name Ivan King Barkley came over from Scotland his son, Edwin King Barkley, is my grandfather. His son, Randy King Barkley, is my dad. Wow. And then Joseph King Barkley is me. And then I don't have any sons. And my wife did not agree to name, <laughs> give our daughters the middle name of King. So it stops with me. No more Kings after me. You don't, you don't have a brother? <laughs> I don't. No, I've got two sisters. So it, it, it literally stopped with you. Wow, man. That's crazy. That is it, man. I just... Yeah, I how'd you find all that out? Work. Did you do the whole lineage thing? The what do they call it? Yeah, like ancestry stuff. Yeah, the ancestry, like the family tree, and all that. I yeah. uh, well, my I knew obviously I knew my my name and my dad's name at some point. I figured it out, but then I I had always I was always interested in the family that I came from. So from a very young age, I remember uh, asking a lot of questions about what what life was like when my parents were kids and about my grandparents, and my great grandparents, and both of my parents came from, well, my dad particularly came from a homesteading family ranches in South Dakota. And that's just like, I was born in Long Beach, California. So that's <laughs> such a foreign lifestyle to me. So I just started, you know, interrogating my dad. My, my grandfather passed away a year before I was born. So I never got a chance to meet my dad's dad. So I just wanted to know everything they'd tell me. And that included figuring out like, where did these names come from? Right. And so prior to my great grand, it might go back further than Ivan, my great grandfather, but I've not done the homework to figure out if it, but has. he has the coolest name already. So you could, Ivan you could just, Barkley. Yeah. that's, I mean, that's amazing. That's a kid. That's a guy you don't want to mess with, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's Joseph. And when I was growing up, people called me Joe. So it's joking joking Barkley like I'm just joking and so that's what the kids would say to make fun of me I it could be worse that's not so bad yeah that's that's not so bad a lot of people don't know my my so in Mexico I was born in Mexico in Mexico you were you keep both last names father uh, and and mother's maiden name yeah yeah and so my my full name uh is Christian no middle name Castaneda Moran but when I came to the states people didn't know how to say Moran (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they would this happened even as an adult they would call me uh is mr moron home is mr moron here <laughs> oh no i'm like yeah this isn't gonna work so no. when i became a citizen i took the whole name it's just christian castaneda that's it castaneda which is a great name christian castaneda is a spectacular name by itself hated but... writing as a kid it's very long <laughs> it, now is your wife from mexico she's not is she her family is she's born here she's she was uh, born she's here. first generation here when you guys got married, did what happened with the names there? Uh, that's a funny story. She still has not changed her last name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know if, yeah, you figured out some other deal. She's still using her maiden name, her dad's last name. That's cool. And she says yeah. uh, her her uh, reason, I won't call it an excuse, her reason <laughs> is that 
she's too lazy to go down to the social security office and do all the changes. <laughs> I mean, it's quite a process. <laughs> it's been, uh, we just celebrated 19 years together, 15 years married. Oh, that's uh, amazing. That's She'd think over 15 years, maybe she could find the time, but who cares at this point? I, I told her at, at 30, you can't use that excuse anymore. <laughs> you've, got, you've gotten 15 years to use that. That's good. She's halfway. It's got an expiration date. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's where my name came from. That's cool, I've never wanted to change it. I did for a while want to go by Ace as my first Ace. name. <laughs> well, I grew up, I was a child of the 80s and Top Gun was such a big deal. 1986, that movie came out and everybody had a pilot name, Maverick, Iceman. And so I chose my own pilot name. You went your own way. You still want to be a part of the, the whole crew, but... You want to yeah, <laughs> exactly. So then I remember going to seventh grade and I introduced myself to everybody as Ace <laughs> and uh, trying to make it stick. And it didn't last a day. Everybody's like, well, <laughs> you know, they're calling roll in class and like, your name's not Ace. You <laughs> called me a moron. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, so tell the audience a little bit about yourself, man. We got the king part. Tell us a little bit. Yes. About there's not much else to tell, but I'll, I'll do my best. So I, yeah, born in Long Beach, but I was raised in Riverside. Uh, so that's Inland Empire, where my folks still are. And I thought I was going to be a, I was going to be in business because that's what my dad is in. My dad's in finance. And I went to college for that. I got a degree in business. But while I was at college, I picked up a guitar, fell in love with it, played it a lot like a whole lot. My grades suffered, but by the end of college, I had a record contract. And then I spent the next, I don't know, 10, 12 years of my life as a career musician. Like I paid the bills and everything. Wow. Um, you know, met my wife uh, a few years out of college and she married a musician. She loved that lifestyle. We both loved the arts in every form. We love filmmaking and storytelling and poetry and music and I thought that was going to be my career. Uh, and when we wanted to have kids, uh, we all decided that I would not tour. So I started writing songs for television and film, which I was thankful to have a lot of opportunities to do that. And it was even more lucrative than touring. Plus I got to be home. So that was pretty great. And we got involved in a local church where Jesus followers and um, that's always been an important part of nurturing our faith is to nurture our relationship with other Jesus followers. And so we got really involved in a church in Hollywood because that's where a lot of my musician friends uh, lived. And I wanted to go to a place where I could also invite people to go with me. And we found this great church, met a few people and ended up starting. It was kind of within a traditional environment. And so a few of us wanted to start something that was really a church for people who may not feel like they would be welcomed in a traditional environment, even though they would be, um, you know, but the language was a little confusing for them. And certainly a lot of the rituals seemed very foreign and strange to them. So we started a, a little church. My wife and I got to be involved in that, uh, starting a church in Hollywood. Meanwhile, I've got a job doing the music thing for TV. But while I was there, I had a chance to teach, which I had never done before. Uh, but it was like all one of the beautiful things about small communities is a lot of times people have opportunities to do things that you wouldn't if the structure was bigger and, you know, and there was more of a clear path. And there's good things about that as well, like the accountability with all that and, you know, um, some of the development. But 
I had an opportunity to teach and then making a long part of my story very short. Um, we believe God actually used that to get our attention and change the course of our lives. And there came a point where I left music for good and I became a pastor in Los Angeles. And then uh, as we record this, it'd be six and a half years ago, oh. we started a church with me as the pastor uh, in a neighborhood called North Hollywood in, in, uh, in Los Angeles. And so that church is called Radius. And now I'm a pastor, which my wife did not marry pastor, but, um, you know, we, we still love the arts and more importantly, we love artists. And so it's a huge part of our lives, but I love being able to serve them rather than, um, merely performing alongside them. I don't mind performing. I haven't done that in a long time, but I, I do love performing. I respect the craft of performing, but I just love serving artists. Yeah. So that's my life's work, man. I hope that was concise enough, but that's my oh, story. That's good. That's good. Uh, I have questions for you. So because yeah. um, there's, I, I have a, a younger following as well, a, a, mm -hmm. a good mix. Um, I know for, my family story with my my wife specifically it's not normal to get into hollywood um, right. <laughs> was that challenging did you like i know this is the goal or this this is this is it that's all i want to do or was it just uh, some kind of fluke and you got in and you t you ran with your opportunity yeah no i was drawn to the community first you know it's it's what i did i imagine there's other industries that would draw you to other areas of the world you know, it's, so you, you believed know, you could get in? I did. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, so it wasn't like I was sitting at a Starbucks and somebody spotted me and said, hey, you look like you've got something special. Let me give you a record deal. Um, I diligently worked hard and tried to establish relationships with people and leverage. And, um, and so, yeah, it was done through hard work and relationship. And, and quite frankly, especially for some of your listeners or your viewers, I cannot stress this enough. One of the most standout things, even within the entertainment industry, is integrity. Mm. Um, that if you build a reputation of being somebody who's not only compassionate and kind, that's huge, but somebody who does what they say they're going to do, you will put yourself into a very rare category of people. Um, and I'm not, I don't believe in karma. <laughs> I've lived too much life to believe that every time you do good things, good things are going to happen to you. Um, but I do believe that, um, there is a lot of great results that happen when you invest in your character and you invest in the integrity with which you treat people, keep your promises, honor people. Um, I do think that those things pay off. So now, that was a huge part of it. We're not young bucks anymore. Do you think that that's applicable in outside of Hollywood as well? Yeah, yeah. And I, it's not. That's not just an opinion. I certainly see examples of it where, and it could be everything from like, listen, we everybody, everybody knows that there are some really creepy people who get a whole lot of power and prestige. But we certainly also see enough examples of those people being found out, and we live in an age when. Uh, it's been, it's easier. I, I think we live in an overly paranoid age where people are being um, held accountable for things they've done years ago. They might be a totally different place and at a totally different place in life. But that said, is 
uh, I want to be able to stand. And I think that we've seen this, you know, uh, around us in the, in the communities around us. I, I do think that it's incredibly valuable for people to be able to say, listen, whatever accusations you throw at me, I know what is true of me. Mm-hmm. And my reputation is, is fairly bulletproof. That doesn't mean people can accuse Perfect. you of stuff, of course. But um, so whatever progress you make in life, whatever progress you make in your career, you do not want to capsize that with a lack of integrity. So you, however far you're going to get, however money, much money you want to make or whatever that is, however, if you want to get married and you know, build a relationship there, whatever happens in your life, it would be in a heartbeat. That whole thing could be, you could uh, destroy it with a lack of character. I find it uh, right now. It's so easy. Um, I think uh, I think stuff like the internet, social media, has a a double-edged sword. There's so much Mm -hmm. bad, but so much good. Yeah, uh, on both sides. Where I think what's interesting about, I'm very hopeful about the next generation. I know there's a lot of people that look down on the next generation because maybe they don't work with their hands. Like I grew up working construction. I I believe that's part of your story too. You grew up in construction. But what's fascinating is how they're willing to hold people accountable. And mm. it's so easy to do that now because if you really want to try something that's shady, you know, we're going to record this and the whole world is going to see it. But that accountability is something that I didn't have growing up. You know, my generation, yeah, didn't. I, 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 the stuff that's happened to me on the racial side of the injustice uh, because of being a minority, I didn't have a phone to record it when it happened to me. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. that's different where the accountability is now. Um, I, I, obviously, there's an extreme as well where people are getting canceled for something that they there's no a, a, a room for the apology or for that person to get right. to make that right. Um, so obviously, there's extremes, but the, the point of the accountability with with social media is so fascinating to me because we can't get away. If you really the character is really reflecting of what's on the inside. Um, we, we need to put our ducks in a row and say, what do I need to work on so that I'm treating people correctly? I'm, I'm being respectful. I'm being, I think the hardest part about be better is when people don't have empathy. Mm. I've noticed that when people don't have empathy, there's no room for them to explore. Um, is there room for me to be better? Is that mm. even possible? The, mm. and the be better concept isn't to like shame someone The be better is that there's no perfect person. Right. Period. And so I know I need, uh, there's room for me to grow. There's room for me to be better. And if I'm willing to pause and evaluate to see what, who I'm hurting or what I need to do better in my life, I think that accountability is is so uh, transparent now with where we're at with technology. Well, you bring up a couple of phenomenal points. And I, I would also say that part of being better is to give other people the grace to be better. You know, to your point of we could, overplay this you know are we giving people uh the i don't even know if the benefit of the doubt not everybody deserves that but rather to say can can i give them space to uh to make adjustments and to learn and to be curious and to i think that one of the challenges right now is that people are condemned based on uh the trigger, and I use that word carefully because I know that, that that means something very, very real psychologically and emotionally for some people. But I do think that whether it's a word that they say or something that they wear or a place that they go, we end up 
filling out a whole profile on that person based on a couple of actions. And rather than investigate the substance behind it, so someone may say something that appears, you name it, racist, but that person doesn't actually believe that this race is less valuable than another race, but they do not, they might need to learn some things. There might be some ignorance they have that's creating that impression. Um, and so I want to be somebody who gives people a lot of space in my life to keep growing, to yeah. keep trying, to keep failing. And, and they know that they can experience forgiveness and another chance and my own vulnerability. I was trying to find a word because it, it, you have two words that um, the, the opposite, like the yin and yang concept. It's optimism and pessimistic. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I'm pessimistic and I don't think I'm optimistic. I think I'm hope optimistic. It's a word I had to make up. Oh, I love that. Did you I, make I, that I up? Yeah, I had to figure something optimistic? out for me. Like, because I'm not optimistic. I'm not the rainbow guy and everything's fine. I'm not that guy. <laughs> um, I'm not uh, condemning everybody. So I'm not pessimistic about everything coming towards me. Uh, but there has to be room for hope. There, so the, the, the way... Optimist. I, Hopefully. Did you reserve that domain name already? I gotta do it, huh? I you do it right now before this episode comes out. Reserveholptimist.com. I won't steal it from you. <laughs> That's so good. I think it's truth and hope. If you can figure that part in yes. your whatever's uh, in front of you, and 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 not everything is um, ignites something in you. There's something mm. that ignites passion, and then passion, if not uh, carefully worked out can go mm -hmm. towards something bad, like hurting mm -hmm. people. I think passion, if something's going wrong and it doesn't bother you, you need to look inside why it's not bothering you. Yeah. But if it's something that, it's just something you're working out, where's the truth and then where's the hope? And if you can figure it, I don't think it's a system or a method that will work out, but I think those two uh, feelings uh, can get us very far in our community or just how I personally feel, can I sleep? at night peacefully knowing what the truth is and and the hope gives me at least a plan how mm -hmm. do i move forward from this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I do need to coin that <laughs> i'm telling hope. you before you release this episode because someone's gonna snag it unless it's already done i'm not gonna look it up though it's all yours hope to mist hope to mist. hope to mystic you could there's a couple of variations that'll help you find the your domain <laughs> i love it you gotta get 